L'audit de vos rêves se trouve déjà près de chez vous. Choisissez le modèle qui vous fait rêver et profitez-en immédiatement. Audi s'engage aujourd'hui à vos côtés avec Audi pour vous. Un ensemble d'offres et de services pour vous aider à mieux repartir. En ce moment, jusqu'à 6 mois de loyer vous sont offerts sur une sélection de modèles disponibles en stock. Découvrez l'ensemble de nos engagements Audi pour vous sur Audi.fr. Offre jusqu'à 6 mois de loyer suivant le premier versement offert. Offre LLD à particulier jusqu'au 30 juin 2020 sur 37 mois et 25 000 km par an maximum sur une sélection de véhicules en stock et si acceptation par Volkswagen Bank. Détail sur Audi.fr. Hello and welcome to the first ever Tez International Podcast. My name is Ed Dorrell and I'm Head of Content here at Tez. This new international podcast will feature, in a very low-key and gentle way, me phoning up a leading figure from the world of international schools in which we'll chew over the facts about the issues facing this growing sector. I'm delighted that my first victim in this new venture will be my old pal Mark Leopard, who is chair of British schools in the Middle East and head of the British school in Al-Kubarat, I think is the way you pronounce it. Um, hello, Mark. Hi, Ed, and thanks for the opportunity to uh, have a, a catch up with you and uh, to, to be the first, I don't think victim, but uh, first uh, <laughs> person on, on your podcast. It's really great to have you. Um, Mark, you. Um, we first met, I think, close to 10 years ago. But could you tell me a little bit about how you wound up to be wound up sitting there in that big head teacher's office in Abu Dhabi? <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I I went to university, did a, a PGCE as many people do. Um, well, I actually did a BA, so it was over four years. Uh, then I went to Bishop Stalford High School, which was my former school, and I taught there teaching uh, PE. Um, and I always fancied moving overseas. I played a season of rugby in Argentina. Um, before that, and I've got this overseas bug. So I, I looked, funnily enough, it was in the test. That was the, that was the place to look Good. in the overseas section. <clears throat> uh, it was, wasn't online in those days. There wasn't the internet access, so it was the, the good old paper copy. Um, and there was a job at Doha College in Qatar. Uh, I, I had never heard of Qatar at all, really, other than a, a name. Um, and there wasn't a lot of information on it, but it was for a PE teacher. Uh, I was interviewed and um, secured the job and moved out in 1996. I was at that school for 19 years uh, as a PE teacher, head of year, head of PE, um, uh, assistant head, vice principal. And then um, 15 years ago, 14 years ago, I was asked to be the principal of the school. Uh, and I was there for nine very happy years until um, I was asked to apply for the job at British to uh, I, I was successful in that uh, and moved across five years ago. Uh, and the time entirely through my teaching career has actually flown by. But as a head, it's just gone super quick because you've just got a different challenge every day. So the, the time of terms, which is very set, almost goes out the window in your mind because there's just things coming at you all the time and, and great things. You do great things in your job and very privileged. So what's, um, if you forgive the unbelievably cheesy first question, <laughs> what is it about international schools that um, that attracts you that you love? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was funny enough just before um, or earlier this afternoon, I was meeting with um, a new parent, and the, I was asked exactly the same question about what makes an international school special. And, and for me, it's the cultural diversity. Um, it's being in a different context. Um, it's we're fortunate enough 
for me personally, we follow the, the national curriculum of England, so I, I still have that uh, sort of anchor to the UK, which for me is important, but in an international context, and, and we've got 70 different nationalities in the school. We've got 15 wow, wow. um, local community. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to uh, teach the, the ruling family here. Um, so you get a real spread of people, um, a real eclectic mix. So we've got parents who are genuinely putting all their salary into our school fees to keep them very, very well. Mm -hmm. But the one thing they all have in common is wanting the best education for their children. So for me, that, that desire, but in an international context, is really interesting. Do you think um, ahead in schools like your own um, have more freedom to experiment uh, with curriculum and pedagogy in a way perhaps their domestic colleagues might be envious? Uh, to, short answer, yes. I, I don't think we have the distractions um, of government changes. We, we follow the national curriculum, but we, we can watch from afar. So if some changes come and we feel they're, they're fantastic, and there are many, then we can jump on board. We don't, we're not driven by immediate changes, um, bar the actual <laughs> changes, for example. But we do have that little bit of breathing space to reflect and to adapt what is something that is being put in to tailor it for our schools. I think they do have a lot more, lot more freedom for your school to, to get it right uh, and under less pressure to do it sort of yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there is a kind of tension though, isn't there, between um, being free and being able to do whatever you want, uh, yeah. to, to a point obviously, um, and, and too much freedom? hundred uh, percent. I've, I've got a fantastic board of governors. Um, Their majority are elected by the uh, parent body um, and the rest are appointed by the British ambassador here. Um, and they're a tough board. They, they, they hold me to account. They, they, I'm they, pleased to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pleased everyone holds me to account actually, otherwise I'd be a little bit <laughs> um, No, they, they hold me to account, they challenge, but they, they really support. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but they genuinely are a critical friend. So they will hold me to account, but if we're struggling, they will also support. I have no problem picking up the phone to them saying that we haven't got this quite right or we need support here. Uh, and I think that open relationship in any school, be it in the UK, be it overseas, that relationship between the head and the board is absolutely key. But you also need your board to remain strategic, not get involved in the day-to-day -day operation. Absolutely. Talking of which, life in international schools isn't always perfect, is it? Um, one of the problems you hear quite a lot is about recruitment of teachers and the challenges that come with that. Um, can you tell me about your work in that space and, and how you deal with those challenges? Yeah, that, that is a real challenge. I think it's a challenge in the UK. I mean, all, all the stats are saying for, for um, English curriculum teachers, there's a shortage, you know, and that, yeah. that shortage is, is getting worse and worse down the line. So, um, and yet, in, at the flip side of that, there's more and more English curriculum schools or British schools opening overseas. So you've got a possible drain, but not a drain just to you, going everywhere. So you've, you've, you've got a reducing market, but with increased demand, and that's, that's not good for anybody. So we put a lot of work into recruitment. We, um, we do a lot on uh, videos to show how much, uh, or show as much as we can about the school in the context of it. The, um, recruit and we where we can we bring people over here um, that's a big expense so we make sure I send, send a very strong team to the UK um, we're very upfront with our contracts we want people to 
be able to make decisions with complete open eyes and, and full knowledge. Um, but it's a, it, it is a it is a challenge, and each year the recruitment window gets tighter, but also earlier and earlier. When I first started, it was probably late March would would be the time you pick up the jobs. Then it moves to February, then January. We're talking November, December now. Really? Okay. Yeah. And that, and that for the UK, that's not such a challenge um, in terms of people have a, a different resignation date. But overseas schools, if they're all pushing. You know, everybody's under pressure to make a decision very much in advance. And we're all fighting over the same pool. We're fighting over, you know, there is a shortage of physics teachers, math teachers. We had a real struggle recruiting English teachers a couple of years ago. It's not just one subject. The, the amount of teachers are being spread across more and more schools. Um, so we do need a new flow coming through. We've started doing PGCEs here. Uh, we can take people through their NQT year here. Yeah. So we've done a lot about training our own as well. No, I can, I can certainly see that. Um, obviously, one of the problems, and you hear it in the English school system as well as international schools, one of the ways to resolve it is to build your retention. That's something you hear a lot of in, in international schools. Is of course, in a lot of schools like that, you're turning over, pupil, turning over teachers really quickly because people have come for a year or two and then they want to go home or they want to go into yeah. something else abroad. Um, you once said to me, though, um, staff turnover or churn is, is a really key indicator of a happy school. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, do, I, I genuinely believe that. I think you've got, you always have what I call the sort of holiday rep teachers. That's not about their uh, ability. They just want to see the world. And they'll say, two years here, two years there. You, you've always got that. And that's, that's one group you have to be aware of. And that's highlighted on their CV. You make, a, you make an appointment based on knowing that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Some, some international schools, the turnover can be 30, 35%. That's a third of your school changing each year. And for me, that's yeah. a massive concern. Um, I like it to be around between 8 and 12%. And with those leaving in that 8 and 12, to be for promoted posts, wanting a new change, looking to relocate, those are the reasons. Um, and this year, what we've done um, is we've brought in a huge amount. Of, we've trebled our CPD budget uh, so that we... The, one of the biggest indicators for staff of what they want um, is not salary, it's actually continual professional development. We've invested 300% um, more in that. And in that budget, we've got career pathways for teachers who want to stay in the classroom, want to move to middle leader, want to move to senior leader, want to move to headship and masters. And they're all action research based, all tackling our development plan, um, all with accredited courses, the old national college courses. Um, and our, our recruitment and uh, our retention, sorry, is dropped down to 5%. Blimey. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot of heads we know who would like to be, who would be envious of that. Yeah, and we're not, we're not, we're not, we, we pay well, but it's not, it's not the salary. There's other schools that pay well and pay better, but we really are working on developing. I've got two who are going off to headships. Uh, I've had four go off to headships in five years. Um, I've got a number who have moved to senior leader. I've, I've promoted seven internally from uh, head of department to assistant head, they've got career paths. So if they see that, they're not, they're not stout in one school, they're actually developing in a school and taking on new challenges, but also knowing the context of the school so there isn't a settling in period. So we've, we've really worked hard on that. On the same subject, um, a, a few years ago, the then Chief Inspector of Ofsted um, attacked essentially the international school sector for um, poaching all these teachers from England 
as, as, a, as a leader of an organisation of international schools, how do you respond to that accusation? Yeah, I, I really don't like that remark, if I'm honest. I think I said so at the time. Um, I think there should. I think the strength of education, and you look at your your magazine and your paper, a lot of that is about collaboration. It's about sharing ideas. And for me, teachers coming overseas, yes, if you if you didn't want them to come back, then it is definitely a, a drain. But it, actually, if you said you know, a couple of years overseas, three or four years overseas, coming back with a rich, diverse, international context with great practice from another region and coming back into the UK, surely that's a strength for schools to have that diversity in school rather than, you know, I've only ever taught in this borough, I've only ever taught in this county. It, you know, I, I think that's actually a strength. And if we look at it short term, we're losing them, then it is a drain. But actually, if we look at it uh, more holistically, I think it's a genuine strength if people are welcomed back yeah, amen to that. Um, you mentioned you mentioned um, collaboration in your last answer. Um, what, and not, and one of the other things that really interests me about life of international schools and school leaders is um, is that sense of isolation that you hear some of them experience and some teachers experience. So you're you're part of a big school community, but you're in the middle of uh, a country without any other similar schools. Um, how, as a school leader in that setting, um, in that context. Um, what, what, what are the ways you build collaboration and idea sharing within a British media and British curriculum school? Yeah, I, I think you touch on two things there, Ed. There's one of the, um, the isolation in terms of the staff become very inward looking and only look at their own school. And I'm talking uh, professionally and socially that they only socialise with their own colleagues. And that becomes very interesting. That's a danger. So we always encourage people to join clubs outside meet others, go and visit other schools, uh, and it doesn't always have to yeah, be a British yeah. medium school. We're, we're trying to improve our Arabic programme. The best school to go to is an Arabic school, so we're looking at those sort of things. Um, and then the other, the other side is what we've really encouraged, and a number of schools have done this, uh, be it uh, COVID schools, BSME schools, HMT schools, etc. is one, one, join a big organisation that can, can network with you. And two, if you're a head of modern foreign languages, for example, set up a cluster so i've got a head cluster just in abu dhabi i've got okay. a head cluster in the uae separate from the big organizations you know they're the people instead of feeling isolated think who do i turn to give them a call you know but set it up that you're not in competition there's enough kids to go around there's enough um curriculum to cause our own problems we don't need to worry about anyone else only have the competition on the sports field so we've done that we've got our heads of department in cluster groups both in the uae in abu dhabi and across the gulf um, I've got heads of department linking with UK schools. So I, I, in today's day and age with the internet, look, we're, we're what, three and a half thousand miles apart and we're, we're sitting face to face effectively. <laughs> True that. You looking at me is not a good thing, I know that. But <laughs> for me, that, that is the strength of, you know, this social media, this network, the internet. It's got to be used for that. And that's, I know there's a lot of downsides, but that's where it can really stop that isolation happening. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned um, the number of colleagues you've got in the UAE um, and the rest of the Gulf. Um, tell me why, why there is such demand for British-style education now. Um, not <laughs> but, but well, you've, got, you, you've got me started on the week of the election. <laughs> I won't get too political, but I genuinely think the British brand uh, around education overseas is a genuine gold standard. Um, in China, uh, in the Middle East, it is seen as the leading uh, force of education. That's not disrespecting any others, but be partly because the English medium language, 
but also the English qualifications, the quality of the universities, the ability for it to transfer. And I think, I, I think, and I'm talking across all governments here, there's no domestic UK government party that fully understands that. And I think it's a real missed opportunity when we talk about being in the EU or not in the EU or going global, whatever. That UK brand with education is absolute gold dust. And I, I just hope whoever is in power realizes that and uses that to network in all countries because it's a soft power. Uh, my former school, Doha College, um, Sheikh Tamimi, who's the ruler in Qatar, he's an, he's an ex-student here. Each school will have leaders from around the world. That soft power for the UK is unbelievable. And it's in international schools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So my final question, Mark, is, is um, what advice would you give to a teacher um, in any domestic market? not just the British, a teacher or a head who's thinking about going overseas to teach or to lead a school, what would you tell them to think about? Uh, well, I think there's pitfalls as well. So I think do your homework, do your homework on the school, do your homework on the region uh, and the country. And you can do that through inspection reports. There's lots of things out there for that. Uh, look at staff retention. Is it a school with high turnover? What are the reasons for that? But if you get the opportunity, don't see it as closing the door on ever going back to the UK. I've had staff move successfully overseas and then back again into very, very good jobs indeed, into headships uh, back, back in the UK, uh, into leading leaders' roles, into great schools. Um, I'd say grab the opportunity with both hands and, and, and take every opportunity and immerse yourself in the country. Um, don't think you are little Britain. You know, really get to know the community. Throw yourself into it. And I, I think you can learn so much and become better for it to take that to wherever you are in the world but you know it should be borderless of education you should be able to move everywhere because you know what are we doing we're trying to improve the the education outcomes of children that's not about countries that, that's that's a you know a great vision and that's what we should all drive towards mark what a great way to finish thank you so much for joining me on this uh, on this first ever tez international podcast i'm very grateful for your time okay thank you take care all the best